Welcome back. California showdown. The open Senate race in California has sparked a fierce competition among Democrats to fill in outgoing U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat for 2024, with top names like Representatives Adam Schiff, Barbara Lee, and Katie Porter throwing their hats into the ring. We'll talk about the impact of this race, who's the winning, and what to expect in 2024. Plus, I'll sit down with local school board candidate Meenal Dewan to talk about her positions on the biggest issues affecting District 211, big policy topics, and more. Today, March 12th, 2023. From Ishan Media, this is the Ishan S Show, a podcast about the interesting and ever-changing world of American politics, with me, your host, Ishan. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Ishan S Show. Thank you for joining us. You know, we were gone on quite a bit of a hiatus these past few weeks, but it has been tumultuous like crazy for me for the past few weeks. You know, everything's been going on and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of issues and personal things have been compounding on top of one another. But um, I'm so glad to finally be back with you guys uh, to talk about all the biggest issues in politics. And uh, I'm very excited to present our interview with Meenal Dewan today, who is running for a school board here in uh, the District 211 area where most of my listenership is from. Uh, but we'll get to that after the break. But for now, let's talk about California. Now, California is the biggest state in the country. At a population of 40 million people, it holds immense influence over much of this country. And while, yes, it has been losing its population, it has been playing a significant role as a financial capital, a cultural capital, and as a center for America. And when you think of California from around the world, you think, or when you think of America from around the world, you think of California. So California holds an immense spot in our country. And it's only fitting to think that its Senate race is going to be equally as enticing and as big and impactful. So for my friends who don't know, uh, California has an open Senate seat in uh, 2024, which is next year. And I can't believe it. But yeah, California has an open Senate race there after the incumbent U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein announced that she would be retiring. Um and after she announced her retirement, a lot of candidates threw their hat in the rink. Uh, we'll get to the candidates. I first want to just talk about uh, the decision for Senator Feinstein to drop out, or not drop out, but to announce her retirement. So Senator Feinstein has been in, Calif or in California Senate seat as its senior senator since 1992. That's a really long time. And she has been elevated in her time in the Senate to one of the highest ranks of Congress. So she's been very successful. And she's very well known in California for so much of her work, um, especially her involvement on the Judiciary Committee. She presided over that uh, over that committee during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings when um, Brett Kavanaugh was being confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court, but she also presided over the um, a special committee that was investigating CIA me methods of torture. I don't know, not all of my listeners might know about that, but that was something that she was also chairing. Um, but beyond that, she is the senior most senator in her party right now. And 
and, and so she she's a rock there in the Senate. But at 89 years old, she is also one of the oldest people to be sitting in the Senate right now. And there have been questions raised about her mental acuity uh, as time has gone on. In fact, uh, if I, w- I think it was either last year or the year before, an LA Times um, article expose came out where previous staff members and current members of Congress were interviewed and asked about Senator Feinstein's cognitive capabilities. And these people were in sowing doubt in that. They were saying that she had instances where she was forgetting things or she was, um, she. it was not, an attack on her, but it was something that revealed some of the thoughts that her staff and other members of Congress had. And uh, I'll try to look for that article and I'll link it in the description, but, and so you can read it for yourself. But I remember reading it and thinking, wow, this is, this is a big thing to come out against a sitting U.S. Senator. Like, yes, she's done amazing things. I mean, she was actually mayor of San Francisco. She took over San Francisco in one of the most tumultuous periods in its history when its mayor was killed and assassinated along with another member of uh, the city council. She had to become acting mayor. She's been a U.S. senator. She's done a lot. Um, But I think now that it's been nearly 30 years since she's over 30 years since she was sworn in, it, it... sprouted some questions in some people about her ability to continue as a U.S. senator. Um, obviously, that was something that she might have thought about. Uh, it's why she didn't accept the position of president pro tempore, which is usually filled by the senior most uh, senator. This u- President pro tempore is us- the pre- temporary president of the Senate, as they like to say, the senior most senator that's in the line of succession for president. Uh, Senator Feinstein declined the opportunity to become president pro tempore, even though she is the most senior senator. Uh, that position title is actually held by Senator Patty Murray of Washington, um, both of whom would have become the first woman to hold the title. So interesting factoid there for Women's History Month. Um, but Senator Feinstein then recently announced that she's not running for re-election, she would be retiring after this term, which ends in 2025. But the election, of course, would be in 2024. So even before she announced that she was retiring, Representative Katie Porter, who is a firebrand uh, among progressive, well-known everywhere in the country, actually, uh, she announced her candidacy, I think, well before Senator Feinstein announced her retirement. Uh, uh, Representative Porter has a progressive record, but has impressively won in a pretty swing district. And that's not usually something you hear about, a progressive appealing to a lot of moderates. Um, But Representative Porter managed to pull that off. And so she is running on that for her race in the Senate or for for a race for the Senate. Uh, She is a skilled fundraiser. She raised millions and millions of dollars just last year for the 2022 midterms. And she, she's a fundraising machine. She knows how to get money. And she is incredibly skilled when it comes to being um, a member of Congress. She is well-known. She has built a name for herself. And so the moment she announced her candidacy, everyone was paying attention. And I think part of the reason that she announced her candidacy this early was so that she could get in the airwaves and she could tell more people about herself before there were other people to steal that airtime. And I think it was a smart play. Um, and I think that might actually benefit her down the road. But 
Representative Porter also does have, of course, that baggage of, again, being the overly progressive senator or progressive representative. But obviously, it's the state of California. And where are you going to get more progressive than California? Uh, and then after Representative Porter is Representative Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is the former rep- uh, chair of the House Intelligence Committee. He um, is well known uh, in politics, especially during his time in the Trump administration when he chaired the Intelligence Committee. He spearheaded both of Trump's uh, impeachment trials and was attacked by Trump a lot. Uh, former speaker, Speaker Emerita, that's how she's addressed, Nancy Pelosi, uh, actually privately is lobbying for Adam Schiff to win this seat. Uh, she kind of wants him there because she kind of sees him as a protege, and rightfully so. He is an impressive guy, and he has an impressive um, resume. He's been in Congress since, I think, 2002, so t- 20 years and he has the experience of running the Intelligence Committee. He knows how to operate the halls of Congress. He's been in leadership. Uh, and it's not a surprise that he's running for this seat because he declined the opportunity to be ranking member of the Intelligence Committee this year because people were, he, people were anticipating this being the reason. But they said that he, it was because he was running for U.S. Senate. And so he is also there. And then Representative Barbara Lee. Uh, Barbara Lee, I think I think of all the other um, people running for the seat, she is probably not as well known. She threw her hat in the to the rink late February, um, but she had revealed plans to a lot of people that she was planning on running. So it's not a surprise for many DC um, insiders, um, but she is, um, she, uh, so, I, I, and I think about a week after announcing the, her Senate campaign, the mayor of Los Angeles, the new mayor, Karen Bass, offered her endorsement to Lee, um, which is a big endorsement, mayor of L.A., to endorse you this quick. Um, Barbara Lee, if she is elected, she would be the only black woman in the Senate. Um, and I think Kamala Harris um, being one of the U.S. senators before she became vice president. After Kamala Harris became vice president, she had to resign from the Senate, and so there were no black women in the Senate. So I think if so, if Barbara Lee is to win, she is going to be the only black woman in the Senate, unless others other black women win throughout the country. But right now, she is the only candidate that can uh, that is running that has national prominence. But Lee is a pretty big name in uh, in Washington po- politics. She actually previously co-chaired the Progressive Caucus, um, and she also was, she was also pretty well known after 9-11 uh, because she voted against resolutions that gave the, pro- pre- you know, gave President Bush powers uh, to use military force. She's known for a lot of this, um, and she also has worked in California politics for a while, and so she's an experienced person, and I think she's very qualified to be running for this seat. It's just she might not have as much name recognition. I mean, of these candidates, I think, I mean, you might have been able to hear it from me. I had to read from my notes about Barbara Lee, uh, whereas Katie Porter and Adam Schiff are a bit quick off the tongue. Uh, you have to do a little more research. But if she is elected, she would become she would be 80 years old, around 80 years old during her first term, which could be used against her just because Dianne Feinstein is leaving for being too old. It might not 
play politically in the best interest for her. But obviously that's for no one to decide but the California voters. But anyway, with this race, um, it's interesting because California's election, and you might be asking me why I'm talking about Democrats only, because in California they use a jungle primary system. And so in a jungle primary system, what happens is it's all the candidates that run on the ballot and then the top two go on and win. And it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. It's just whoever wins the top two amount, they proceed to the um, to the runoff or not the runoff, the um, the actual election. Primary election days where everyone is on the ballot and then general election days where only the top two are. So the most recent example of this election was in 2022 when Senator um uh, when Senator Alex Padilla ran uh, to f- for, to win in his own right, and then before that, Kamala Harris, when she held that seat, um, Kamala Harris served with Dianne Feinstein, so she knows about this winning this. So she has not, you know, dabbled in too much into this race. But I'm sure in the coming days and weeks, she will make her involvement a little more prominent uh, in this race. But they're not going to pick sides because obviously, in the end, they're all Democrats, so they're not going to turn against each other. Uh, as for who I think is going to win, that's a good question. Um, I I could say it's anybody's guess right now, but to be totally honest, I can't tell you. Uh, it's too early in the game. I wanted to cover this story today because um, it, it's I like to keep track of these types of stories early on and then see how they progress over time. So maybe I might be listening to this episode you know, 18 months from now to listen to myself to see what was going on and what we were thinking at this time. So if you're future somebody, hi. Um, But yeah, right now it's hard to predict who's going to win or who has the skill to win because everyone is a wild card. But we'll keep track of this race and we'll keep keep tuning into the seanashow.com, keep keep tuning into this show uh, and we'll see where this race goes. All right, that was a look at California's Senate election. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Neil Dewan to talk about her candidacy for District 211 School Board. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this short, short break. All right, so we're back from the break. It's a repeated stress that I've made on this show time and again that races and elections at all levels of government matter, from your local school board to the presidency. It's important that all of you pay attention, especially as we get closer and closer to our local elections. And specifically here in the Palatine area, paying attention to the local school board races is equally as important. Our guest for today's episode is a candidate for school board who is running for the first time uh, for District 211 school board. We are joined by Minal Diwan. Ms. Diwan, thank you for joining us here at the Ishana Show today. Thank you, Ishan, for having me on the show. Uh, before we get started, why don't you take a few moments to introduce yourself to my audience? So like you said, I'm running first time for the board. My name is Meenal Devan. I am a former educator and a longtime uh, school district parent. And I've had three kids that are that two of them who passed through Fremd and one who's going to graduate this year. And I've been living in this community for about 10 years. Uh, and right now I work part-time as a, a bookkeeper. Perfect. 
So you are a first-hand candidate running in this area in, and in general. So tell us how you got involved in politics and what motivated you to run for this seat and what changes do you intend on making if you are to get elected? So that is a very good question. The thing is, uh, we moved in this area for the school district and I had two girls who graduated in 2017 and 2020. Things were, you know, occasionally I would hear some issues that were there, but they were not this much. I mean, it was not this rampant, the things that are happening today. With with my son, who's currently going there, we had issues with mental health. We had issues with racism. We had all these issues. Then I started talking to parents. I, I started attending board meetings. I started reaching out to the community members. And I realized the problem is much, much, much bigger. And in the last three years, it has become even more. It has become even more stronger. The issues have become even more. So instead of sitting and complaining all the time about this not being right, that not being right, I decided to do something about it. And the best way to do it is to become a part of the board so that I can implement some changes. And I do realize it's just one vote out of seven, but being there and putting my point across and my view across, I'm hoping to make at least some, some changes. And the changes that I would like moving forward is inclusivity. I, I feel that Everybody should have an equal chance. Everybody should be, no matter what your gender bias, no matter what your orient, sexual orientation, you are a part of the school and you need to be treated equally. Mental health is also a big issue. People are aware of it, but they are not, but they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to, how they don't have the right tools. So I would want that and a little bit more understanding, actually a lot more understanding on those issues. Post-COVID, we have had a lot of students and adults and teachers go through that. So I want I want more, more awareness for that. And uh, the other thing is in our school district, I feel the community is not as well informed and as well involved. I would like that to happen, a more open dialogue between the community, the school board, the teachers, so that everybody knows what's happening. If the community knows what decisions we are making and for what reasons, they'll be much more open to it. They will They will much more be able to support us. That's where I come from. Perfect. So mental health, important, indeed a very important issue, as well as increasing that dialogue. Now you are touting all of these things that you want to do. So what experience would you list as something that boosts your profile as a candidate in this race? And if you are to get elected as an effective school board member? The biggest experience that I will tout is being a mother of three, having dealt with every issue, preteen to teen to everything, and knowing very well what, what a child goes through. And I do get asked this question that why now when my last kid is leaving school? But the thing is, I am passionate. I am extremely passionate about kids, about their well-being. It, it could be my kid, the kid next door, the neighbor's kid, anybody. And it, my passion for kids is what I bring to the table. And my passion for making sure that each each and every child leaves the school district with a positive a positive image and uh, of the school. And I have seen kids leave school with scars, if I may, uh, and have are still, some in college are still dealing with it. 
after leaving the school so you you leave the school behind you don't leave your experiences behind you take them with you so i want them to have a good experience and my passion for that and my my passion for making this making the school district a much better place for all our kids is what i bring to the table and of course me being an educator in the past me being aware of all the issues that are happening and again being educated smart being able to understand these things i bring all that to the table okay very important uh and but now let's get into some politics shall we so you're <laughs> sitting um you're running in a race with 13 candidates of which mm -hmm. only four of you guys are actually going to be sitting on the board after the April election. So what would you say is the biggest issue or maybe multiple issues of this campaign and how are you going to distinguish yourself from your fellow candidates? I, I am not focusing on issues that others are having or what is happening. I am, to be honest, just focusing on how I can, how I can, how I can do this. Basically, I'm just focusing on what I need to do, how I can do it. And my passion is helping me with that. I really want to be out there and explain what I'm, what I'm doing, why I'm doing and why I'm running. And I'm not focusing on the issues that everybody's ha having and, you know, about this election. I just want people, I'm focusing on getting people to come out and vote. And it doesn't matter for who and for what, but people need to come out and vote. Their voice needs to be heard. And election is the best time. So you wouldn't say that you have any specific area um, that you want to focus on. You're just saying in general, you want to bring more. Awareness. No, no, I do have like, I, again, I'm focusing my campaign on mental health, okay. inclusivity. I want more diversity. And of course, accountability. Hmm. I'm running on those. I see. Uh, so there are some candidates in this race that do obviously disagree with you on matters of policy. There are 13. Uh, so there is bound to be that disagreement. Now, a few weeks ago, we had another candidate on, Aiden Brands, who said that he would not necessarily work with some of these people if they are to also get elected alongside him. So I put the same question to you. So if you are to get elected alongside some people that you may not you know, agree with on policy, how much are you going to work with them in general? Or is there any areas that you are willing to compromise with the other side on? There are seven people on the board and at some point there is bound to be disagreement. There is, I mean, there is no such thing as my way or the highway. Yeah. I mean, you're working as a team and I think the end goal is the betterment of the school district, the betterment of the child's experience and it's all about the children. So if I, you know, I, we will have to compromise. We will have to adjust our thinking and opinion. We have to work as a team. I mean, I might have disagreements but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be working with you. I mean, that's that's not how I think. I mean, I will work with you. If I don't understand where you come from, I will try and explain to you where you come, where you are coming from. I at least try to understand that. But if we don't understand, we can agree to disagree. Okay. So, but at the end, it's about the children. So um, indeed, very important. Um, so you would say you would disagree with what Mr. Brand said a few weeks ago about not compromising on certain issues at all. I, 
it's what he said. I mean, I wouldn't be that way. That I won't compromise. I mean, again, it, you're not the whole and soul. You have other members on the board that you're working with. And it, you know, it's a learning experience as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, when you have discussions, when you are working on issues, these are eye openers for everybody in every possible way. So I cannot say it's my view of the highway. I mean, I'm right all the time. That cannot be. And if sometimes, I mean, you will have to compromise. That's, that's, I mean, that's a given when there are seven people on that board. So yeah, I, I, that's not my thought process that I'm not going to compromise. But I mean, if that's how other candidates are thinking, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So school board level politics to the core of it is a lot about the money uh, that we see funneled around the district as a, uh, as district as a district 211 student myself. Um, I also wanted to hear your perspective on how money is going to be allocated if you are on the board, because I know from my own personal experiences as a student in this district, but even talking to students across the district, um, where money is allocated, whether that be for athletics, activities, for teachers, for uh, mental health, and as well as counseling in general, there is a huge disparity on how we're getting money around. So if you are to get elected, I want to know, number one, where you would, how you would want to fix some of the issues we see with funding in the district and how you might utilize some of that money to focus on issues that might not be getting the funding that they should be getting. I would definitely allocate a little bit more resources to mental health awareness. Uh, Teachers are the first point of contact for a child and they need to better understand. They need to have better tools. There are teachers who want to help, but they don't know where to start. So I would, I would definitely allocate more resources to that for sure. I would definitely allocate more resources to counseling and have better counseling facilities and you know for the children these are the these are the two things that i would definitely allocate more resources to and everything else yes as issues come up as things come up like new building new parking lot you know for athletics all that is part of part and parcel of that thing and as issues and as deals as things come up and I will not say that, oh, this needs more funding as opposed to that. Athletics are equally important. The Having a good building, that's equally important. Everything is important. But right now, I feel these are the areas where funding is a little bit more required than others. Right. Obviously, I do want to stress to my listeners, it is important that you participate in these races because when it comes to these matters of money, it's your property tax dollars. So uh, thank you for explaining how you want to spend the taxpayers' dollars because it's important we have that level of transparency. Um, but also, now let's move on, switch gears a little. Um, now you did already, you have touched on this throughout the interview about empowering students through um, providing more mental health services, but I want to chip in a little deeper into that. So Beyond just the mental health stuff, um, what are some ideas that you have to empower students uh, in the district? Because much much of my listenership is high school students and some of which are in the D211 area. Um, So what ideas or policies would you want to introduce to increase student involvement at at a district level and empower them in their schools? Students, I feel I want them to 
ask for help if they need it. I have seen my three kids and a lot of their friends and so many other children walking the hallways needing help but not asking for it. And that's why I insist on teachers being the first point of contact and noticing. But it's it cannot always be the teachers. I want friends looking out for friends. I want kids to take ownership of their issues and to voice it. If they don't voice it, how will they be heard? Mm -hmm. So I want them. And of course, if you're 18 plus, I want you to vote. I want you to be aware of what's happening around you. So you can make that change if need be. You can be the change. That's so, how you can help. So how would you go about, um, how would you go about facilitating that? Um, I mean, just for the students in general, obviously getting the students that are over 18 to vote is important. But for those of us that aren't 18 yet, how would you go about facilitating that involvement? Right now, I would I would have the teachers connect with these students and to basically empower them by talks, by telling them how important their role is in society. Because most of the time, kids don't realize what's happening around them. They just live in their own own world so they need to see a bigger picture and for that i guess right now it's in high school it's the teachers that can help them it's the parents at home that can help them it's it's the environment around them and if we make the environment a little bit more open a little bit more communicative a little bit more inclusive where nobody feels left out that to me is empowering the child to do better to be better to make this world a better place that is so true and once again, I issue that public service announcement. I do it in all my interviews, but again, I do it here. Get involved, educate yourself on the candidates, educate yourself on the key issues, because it is, I agree with you, it is so important that young people know what's going on in their community. And it's so important that young people know who their candidates are, who's on their ballot. I mean, just a few days ago, I was talking with a fellow student who didn't even know that District 211 had a school board. Um, so, <laughs> right. So I really appreciate um, um, your message of, of, of empowering students by informing them of how of that stuff. So thank you for that. However, Ms. Diwan, we are unfortunately almost out of time for the interview. But before I let you go, are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with my audience before we end the interview? Yes, my parting thought would be if you are over 18, please, please go out and vote. Your vote counts, every single one. It doesn't matter who you vote for, what you vote for. It just doesn't matter. You just need to go out and vote. This is your time to be heard. This is your, this is your time to make choices. So please don't lose that chance. Go out and vote. It doesn't matter for who. Just vote. That's right. Elections have consequences. Minal Dewan, thank you for joining us here on the Ishan S Show. We hope to have you back maybe as a school board member in a few weeks. <laughs> sure. Thank you so much, Ishan, for having me. Thank you. And so that does it for us here today at the Ishan S Show. If you like my commentary, then go ahead and follow the Ishan S Show on Twitter and Instagram for breaking news posts and updates about the show. 
And if you want to learn more about political stories, then check out my political news blog on the ishanesshow.com and go ahead and subscribe to it. Do us a favor and share this episode and all your other favorite episodes with your friends and family. It's the best way for this show to grow and get more people listening to it. Thanks again for all your support, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.